The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Searchmetrics. Searchmetrics sets the standard for innovation in the content and search engine optimization industry. They support businesses who care about understanding both how to use content as a marketing channel and how to improve their organic rankings in Google. If you're an enterprise-level marketer, the Searchmetrics suite of software and services will help you optimize your existing content, help you understand what topics you need to cover next, and how to ensure that your writers produce effective posts. There are billions of Google searches happening every day, and Searchmetrics gets your stories to the top. Okay, today we're going to talk about creating awareness for B2B businesses. Joining us is Logan Lyles, who is the Director of Partnerships at Sweetfish Media, which is an enterprise podcast production agency. Logan is also the co-host of the B2B Growth Podcast. And in our last episode, Logan gave us an overview of how and why B2B businesses are increasingly dependent on multimedia content, specifically podcasts. If you missed that episode, really insightful, go back and give it a listen. But today, Logan is going to give us some tips on how to improve the shareability and virality of your B2B content. Here is the second part of our interview with Logan Lyles from Sweetfish Media. Logan, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on again, Ben. Excited to extend the conversation, man. Yeah, me too. I'm glad that we got your first actual time being a guest of a podcast out of the way, even though you've been on a ton of podcasts. (laughs) How did it go? What was it like sitting in the other chair? It's about the same. Just having a conversation. That's what we love about podcasts is that you get to have a conversation with someone and be able to share the nuggets of value out of it. So hopefully the last conversation was valuable for the audience and excited to get a little bit more into some detailed tactics today. I totally agree. It's great to have a nice casual conversation and post it for other people to hear. One of the things that I thought was insightful in our last conversation was you talked about the content waterfall, which is recording longer form content and then breaking it up and repurposing it into different channels. And with Sweetfish Media, since you focus on podcast creation for enterprise B2B businesses, you're coming up with this audio form content. Talk to me about the mechanics of taking that content, breaking it down, and where are you sharing it? 
it can lend itself to a lot of different formats. We start with LinkedIn. Obviously, B2B brands, LinkedIn is a platform that is very, very effective. A lot of buyers on there and a lot of targeting that you can do as well. Your own website's blog is another place that you can go for repurposing the audio content. For instance, for our show for B2B growth, we create a graphic for each episode. Since podcast is mostly audio and there's not a whole lot of visual assets to it, we try to make sure that we create a graphic for each episode that lends itself well to Twitter, Instagram, other places like that that might be a little bit more visual. That's something that you definitely want to think about if you're having a podcast is making sure that you have a graphic that's easy for people to see what is this episode about and being able to share share it out on other channels that are a little bit more visually engaging. Let me ask you a question about that. When you say you're creating a graphic, is it that you're just creating essentially a replacement for the graphic that you use for your podcast? Like here is the icon. I have the MarTech podcast icon, and I pretty much use it for every single episode. Are you creating an infographic or just a new logo for the episode? It's kind of in between those two, Ben. We create a template when we launch a new show so that it has the same branding as the show logo itself, but it's not just a repeat of the show logo. Not necessarily an infographic, although if you have an, a conversation or an interview that lends itself well to stats and figures, you could definitely create an infographic out of it as well. But what I'm referring to is making sure you've got a graphic that has the episode number and the headline of the show and the guest's face nice and large. And having that template to be able to make it repeatable increases the shareability of that podcast episode after each show. For instance, after guests are on our show, we send them a link to their episode on iTunes so that they can share it out. And also a link to the blog post on our website that has that graphic specific to the episode that has their episode number and their profile photo so that it's easily shareable on other channels. Interesting. So essentially creating this graphic is meant primarily for you to share with the guest so they have something that is specific to them to share. Exactly. All right. So you're creating some visual content out of your podcast. You're, I'm assuming, transcribing it or creating some sort of a summary for your blog. What else are you doing? So the other area is it's really great content for your email campaigns. Pretty much everyone listening to this in marketing has an email list or multiple email lists, obviously. So taking that content from those conversations and wording it in a way that shares the value, it's a great way to get additional touches with your email list and add some value to them by sharing the content that you think they would find most interesting, engaging, and valuable from the podcast episodes. It's interesting. You basically hit on what our next growth strategy is, which is we are going from transcribing our interviews to figuring out a format that is more interesting as an overview, mm -hmm. a summary, and then we're going to take that and create an email newsletter. So for the people that are listening, eventually they will be able to have the show notes delivered to their inbox so they don't have to take notes because the content can be dense. Talk to me about where else you're distributing your content outside of the assets that you own outside of your blog and your email list. 
you know, LinkedIn has really been the biggest strategy for us to be able to get the content out there in an area where people are living day to day when they're not coming to our blog. It's tougher and tougher to get people back to your blog. I love your point of going from a transcription of an episode to a summary that's written in an engaging way, in a digestible way. We do that for a lot of our clients as well in writing long form blog posts. But LinkedIn has been by far and away the biggest strategy for us and for our clients to be able to get that content in front of a much broader audience and build their audience and their brand by engaging with those folks on that platform and inevitably getting people as subscribers back to your podcast. Okay, so LinkedIn is the primary source where you're taking your content and publishing it in an asset that you don't own, right? You don't own the LinkedIn platform. Right. (laughs) How about Twitter, Instagram, YouTube? Are you focused on any of those other platforms? Are they are they relevant for B2B brands? I think they're relevant to B2B brands. They're not a key part of our strategy just because we've really doubled down and found what works on LinkedIn. So we're continually focusing on what we know best and figuring out as social media changes, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, their algorithms could change tomorrow. They could change by the time this podcast goes live. So in order to really get good at one platform, you do need to focus a little bit on one kind of master it and then move from there. So I think those other channels are definitely valuable for B2B brands. We've just found LinkedIn to be the most valuable for us and for our clients. So we found some specific strategies that really work there to get super tactical. Okay, so let's go dive a little deeper into LinkedIn. Can you tell us a little bit about the mechanics of repurposing your multimedia content and getting it on LinkedIn? So one of the things that we learned by having our content writers repurpose audio episodes from our show, B2B Growth, and for our clients' podcasts is that LinkedIn's algorithm favors long-form status updates over LinkedIn articles. LinkedIn's publisher platform is really nice and you can format something that looks really good. But if you write something in that status update field that gives you 1300 characters, which equates to 250 to 300 words. So we're talking pretty short in the form of long form content. But writing there actually gives you further reach to your second and third degree networks, especially if that post gets engagement early and often. And we have some ideas around there. So I think step one that we learned is writing status updates rather than long form articles on LinkedIn. Okay, so that's kind of the key thing that I've heard from a couple other content creators, a lot of independent consultants is make sure that you're writing posts. And essentially, the best practice is you write a statement, and then you use the link that you're trying to drive people in the comments. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about what you see in terms of engagement. People are seeing your posts, you're getting 10, 20x the visibility, but do people actually engage when you're writing status updates as opposed to sharing a link? Yeah, you know, I saw a ton of engagement last week on that post that I mentioned in our last conversation about LinkedIn selfie videos and what people could do better. I saw a lot of engagement from my first degree network. I think the post had 100 plus likes. But what was more surprising to me is that it had 100 plus comments. And a lot of those comments were from people outside of my first degree network. 
we find that when a post gets engagement early, LinkedIn's algorithm puts it in front of more eyeballs, especially if you're doing the things like you mentioned, and we're talking about already doing a status update instead of an article, putting the link in the comment. But I've found that as the number of views grow, the number of likes and comments grow as well. So I've taken some time to systematically make sure that I follow up with that engagement to generate more conversations as well. So. What I'm hearing is, A, you're posting a status update. If people start engaging with it, it reaches beyond your first level contacts to second and third. So you get more impressions. And then you can take the people that are starting to comment and respond to them and build a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm still curious because instead of putting a link in the actual post that someone is designed for someone to click through to and drive traffic to the piece of content that you want to engage with, you're putting in the comments. So are you getting impressions, comments, conversations, but not getting people to actually experience your content? Or do you find that people are going into the comments and then clicking off to the link at the same rate as if you were posting the link straight into your feed? I think all in all, you're getting more click-throughs because instead of getting 100 views of the post and two click-throughs, you might get 20,000 views of the post and dozens and dozens of click-throughs. It's more shaped like a funnel than a one-to-one relationship, but I think getting it out to a wider audience does increase your chances of that click-through. And the other piece that I think is important there is that a lot of people, and I see this on LinkedIn a lot, even with podcasts or with videos or with webinars, they either don't write something, they just put the link. So it's a big block and you might click on it or you might not. And like you said, it might not be seen by as many more people. But what a lot of people do is they tease the content. They say, click through here to listen to this podcast and learn the three hacks we heard from XYZ or what this company did to increase their SEO ranking by 200% or whatever the case might be. What we have found effective is to actually share the value of the content. So a lot of people might say, well, that's decreasing your click-through rate. But what we found is that it builds your brand at a better rate. That was part of what drew me into Sweetfish is I was seeing all of this valuable content from James, the founder of the company, and they were usually repurposed updates from people he's interviewing on B2B growth. So even if I didn't click through, I was associating all of this valuable content with Sweetfish even before I was actively listening to the podcast. So I think we need to realize that people aren't always going to click through. Sometimes we're afraid of, oh, what if I decrease that click through? But when you're actually putting out content that is valuable for your audience and your goal is to deliver them value rather than to necessarily get a click through, then you're going to win in the end. It's playing the long game more than it is the short game. But over the long haul, we think that that's much more of an effective strategy as you build your brand and associate your brand with the value that people are getting out of your content. So let me try to summarize. What I'm hearing is... Even if the click-through rate is lower, use the example of two people clicking on 100 views, which is a 2% click-through rate. If you're getting 20,000 views at a 0.2% click-through rate, a significantly lower, you still have more overall volume because the reach is so much higher. And probably more importantly, you are getting an impression with your content for your brand more frequently And that's what really matters because you need to raise your impression level higher 
in a B2B brand. It's not just a one impression click impulse buy. You need multiple impressions over a long period of time. Exactly, Ben. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Any other tips or tactics related to LinkedIn and distributing your content? Yeah, I think there are a few other things that people can do if you don't have a podcast or maybe you're not the best writer or you're in sales on your B2B team and you don't have time for content creation. Start with engaging with other people's posts. Follow people who are your prospective clients or are good referral partners and start engaging with the content that they're putting out there. Because what a lot of people don't realize is when you comment on someone else's post, that appears in your network's feed. So Ben, you and I are connected on LinkedIn. If I comment on someone's post, you'll see an update in your feed. Logan Lyles commented on this. And if they see a thoughtful comment on valuable content, that's another way to get your name and your brand out there either personally or from a company perspective in front of more eyeballs. The other thing on engagement I would recommend people do is if you're putting out content, don't just put it out there and then just check back a week later to see how many views, likes, and comments you had. When people comment on your post, they're opening up a conversation with you. Take advantage of that and strike up a conversation with them. It's going to give you two benefits. One, it's going to give you the opportunity to engage with that person and build a relationship who could potentially be a client or a referral partner or whatever the case might be. And two, even even if it's from you, the author of that LinkedIn status update, the more engagement a post gets when you reply to those comments you're getting, that will boost the visibility of that post out to your second and third degree networks more often because LinkedIn's algorithm favors more engagement. So engaging with people's comments on your posts, as well as commenting on other people's posts are things that you can do without a whole lot of time investment 
James and I did a whole episode on B2B growth on how to leave thoughtful comments on other people's posts, because there are some quick ways that you can do that without a whole lot of time investment that can give you a lot of benefit in building your brand and increasing those impressions. Okay, so essentially what you're saying is when you're posting, you're creating a conversation with the people that are in your community. And the more active that you are fostering that conversation, the more likely it will be to have visibility, the more impressions you get for your brand. What are some other ways for you to foster conversations? A big one is by starting an engagement group. I'm a member of multiple engagement groups on LinkedIn, and they're different than LinkedIn groups. So you have your network, you have your profile page, you can go and join groups on LinkedIn. But just because of the logistics of the way those groups work, we don't find a lot of engagement there. And so what we've started to do is use engagement groups, which are basically message threads where you can use the messaging section of LinkedIn. You know, if you and I were on LinkedIn, we're messaging each other back and forth, kind of private message or direct message to equate it to other platforms. You can also create a group message that's kind of like creating a group message in iMessage or if you're an Android user, a group text message, whatever the case might be. You can create that same sort of group messaging thread on LinkedIn. And something that you can do there is you can start conversations, you can put people together. I started one recently and two of the people were targeting the same buyers and it allowed them to strike up a conversation. So it allowed me to be kind of a connector of the group and helping people build valuable relationships. And then the other thing that we use engagement groups for is me personally, as I mentioned, I'm involved in multiple engagement groups. Anytime I have a new status update go live, I put a link to that status update in the engagement group so that the people that I'm connected with most closely, the people that I have the best relationships with, I'm not just leaving it to chance if they happen to see my post that day or they happen to be on LinkedIn when I post again. So that gives them a very easy opportunity to go like and comment on my post so that it gets further reach because again, LinkedIn's algorithm favors engagement, but it really favors engagement in the first hour or two. So that's a way to make sure that you're staying top of mind with your closest connections. And then you can work to Together to give early engagement to each other's posts. And that helps get more and more visibility. So it's kind of like a mini networking group that you can create for yourself on LinkedIn that can benefit you as well as like-minded people within your network that are close connections. The I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine strategy of content marketing. Yep, that's definitely one way to look at it. We think there's a lot of relationship building that can happen. In a podcast, we love the relationships that we build by being able to collaborate on content and then content sharing within these engagement groups on LinkedIn. So you've just got to think about ways to use social media as not just this megaphone, but a way to actually replicate what you do offline. Ben, you and I have known each other for a little bit. If you emailed me and said, hey, I need a favor about this or that, then we'd have a conversation about it using social media to do those same sorts of things and finding ways to help each other out and build those relationships where you have mutual benefit is often missed by folks in the B2B space trying to use social media to grow their audience. I think that's a great tip. And I think if I had to summarize what we've talked about in this conversation is A, you're creating multimedia content and you're repurposing and breaking it down into smaller chunks publishing it if you're looking for a B2B brand, primarily on LinkedIn using status updates with the link that you're trying to drive people to in the comments. 
you need to be active in the conversation after you post. And then there's also this notion of having an engagement group to show LinkedIn that the post is valuable by having engagement early after the post has been published. Mm -hmm. Did I miss anything? Nope. You know, and James, our founder, had a really great article on seven ways to get thousands of views on your LinkedIn post. We can probably link to that in the show notes. I think that is one that he's gotten a ton of good feedback on and people have taken some practical stuff away from. So we'd be happy to share that with folks as well. And I will give you some proof to how that works. I used this content promotion strategy that we've been talking about last week for the first time where I published a status update. It included an image. The image was actually the MarTech podcast moving up into the number one slot in Google for the keyword MarTech podcast. And that post got 5,000 views, 65 likes, and 13 comments. But my previous posts were somewhere in the 300, 500, 400 views. So just posting an image and writing a one-sentence blurb made a 10x impact in terms of my post's visibility. So I can vouch that this strategy does work. And the way that I learned it was from the article that you mentioned, which we will publish in the show notes of this show. Logan, I really appreciate the advice. I appreciate the direction on how to improve B2B reach and awareness. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Before we let you go, I want to share a few things that I think will help you make the most of the time you've already invested in this podcast. First off, if you'd like to learn more about Logan or Sweetfish Media, you can click on the link in our show notes or go to sweetfishmedia.com. We will be sure to link to the article that Sweetfish Media's founder created about seven ways to improve your LinkedIn reach. If you're interested in growing your online presence or you want to learn more about Searchmetrics, who's the sponsor of this podcast, go to searchmetrics.com to request a free tour of their platform. If you didn't have time to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry. We've published an overview of this episode and a full transcript of the conversation, which you can find by the link in the show notes or by visiting our website, which is martechpod.com. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. If you ever have questions, comments, suggestions for topics that you'd like us to cover, or if you want to be a guest on the MarTech Podcast, you can click the Contact Us link, or you can find links to our social media, our LinkedIn, our Twitter pages in the show notes, or you can just search for Ben J. Shap. that's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up in the next few weeks, including our conversation about Instagram, PR, media buying. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back with you sometime next week. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.